Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish. How's everybody doing out there this week? We're going to this week on the CFB Dynasty Podcast. We are going to be talking about the elation of getting the close victory, the heartbreak of getting the the surprise defeat, and so many other things. We've got so much content this week to talk about. It is absolutely absurd. Not sure how we're going to fit it all in this show. But we're going to get right down to it with me, your host, Matt Knowles, and these two jokers up here, Brian McKelfrish <laughs> and Doug Gravely. <laughs> Brian, Doug, how are you feeling after the very first week of full games for college football, the first week of college fantasy? How are you feeling right now? After going through the, the depression of the opening Thursday night of the, the Gators' loss, uh, it was great to kind of heal a little bit and watch some other great football and then some other surprisingly bad football like Clemson, which uh, I know affected uh, our boy Dillingham in the league <laughs> going into that game as a uh, down three points to Gordy. Gordy coming off the championship high there. And uh, he just has Robert Gunn, the kicker for Clemson. Just needs three points, right? Should be easy with the, the point spread over under all that stuff. And then <laughs> the kicker goes for negative. <laughs> that was rough. Well, then we had, we had the, the, the absolute beat down in the, uh, in the uh, DFS. Just kidding. Where I got to experience the elation of victory and Doug got to experience the pain of defeat as well. Because my guy catches a garbage time six-yard pass. His guy drops one difference in the game. But we'll get to that a little bit later. And we'll talk about it even more. Because I know Doug wants to talk about coming in second as much as he possibly can. (laughs) So we got news and notes. This week, we've got the season premiere return of the milk carton. Players that went missing in week one. Where are you at? We need you to come back. All kinds of fun stuff. BMAC, what is the thing you're most excited to talk about this week on the show? Oh, just, uh, well, I'm really excited to see that, you know, the breakout players that we had. We'll see some of them in a moment of truth this week because they have a a more difficult opponent. You think about someone like Jalen Milrow, who's like, the uh, you know top end of all top end athletes in terms of size, speed, arm strength, all that stuff. We get to see him at home against Texas, and you know pretty soon is he the guy, or is he just another guy? And and we'll see. All right, so be back, Doug. Talk about how the show went this Saturday. Saturday morning, you two are doing a little quick DFS starts and sits before the Saturday morning game start. How did that show go? Did you guys have a feel like it went well? Did you have good interaction with the uh, with the fan base out there? Yeah, it was solid. I, I think it was uh, it was fun and good. We tried to keep it kind of uh, quick paced just to get all the questions in that we could um, as far as start sit questions, and then going over our top plays for DFS. And I had a really good week in DFS, so. Hopefully, uh, other people out there did as well, you know, like you pointed out, Matt, except against you guys, you know, against all the rest of the, the people. I did fine. Um, I, I should honestly retire because I am undefeated <laughs> in the uh, in the CFB Dynasty, uh, you know, host league. So I should just retire because I've never lost in it right now. I'm, I'm, a, I'm as fat 1-0. and Boom. So, Boom. BMAC, let's talk about the uh, – talk about the uh, – the content schedule, just so people out there know when are they going to be able to get content from CFB dynasty, whether it's articles online, whether it shows um, so they can be, uh, they can be ready for when that content drops. Yeah. We're getting into the rhythm, right. Of, uh, of the season, which is fun. So it's uh, incredibly fast paced for me where it's like new stuff coming out every day. Um, Sunday is our waiver wire gems post. Um, and that'll be uh, pretty consistent. Um, probably early in the morning, typically on Sundays. Tuesday, we launched the player rankings. We pushed it out to the Discord first yesterday, as soon as those were done. And then we did the little social post today. And you get the treat of 
it being written as if it was an angry Nick Saban today on today's post. So I was proud of the little graphic uh, we put together uh, for that post on the socials this morning. Wednesday, we do this show, live rankings and lineup prep podcast, along with the DFS battle at the end between the three of us. And then um, player props article submitted to the Sporting News on Thursdays, as long as uh, Superdraft has got all their player props up and ready to be bet and we hit on all three of ours last week and then we've got the dfs article on friday and then saturday mornings uh doug and i and whenever we get a special uh guest appearance from matt if he ever wants to join if he's ever free uh morning dfs and start sit live show uh about a quick 25 30 minutes and uh that way we can just be a small part of the morning, set our lineups together, and hopefully talk about in the Discord some of the, the winnings that we have. So um, that's the real gist of it. And um, we'll go over some of the more details of, uh, of the rankings, et cetera. All right. Uh, so if you guys are out there, you got, is this show running live? We're recording this one today. We are live. That's what I thought. I was just testing you. <laughs> so if you're watching this thing live and you got any questions, anything you want to give to us get up on the discord put them in the discord now go into the chat that's right there for the uh the feed and uh let's see let's see what you got let's see if we can get these things answered on air and um we'll go from there so uh doug brian and i have been hogging up all the uh all the uh the, the wavelengths right now do you want to run through the news and notes today i can do that yes doug give us the news and notes for wednesday september 6th not in a hurricane <laughs> Not an hurricane, correct. So, for those of you that are super excited about Ohio State, which we'll get into again later, um, Kyle McCord will start again for week two. Um, and then Brady Cook has officially won the quarterback job at Missouri, being the starter. Zachary Franklin for Ole Miss looks to be doubtful for week two. Antoine Wells left game one early with a foot injury. Seems like a common theme for him to get hurt. Um, but he is expected to be back for game two. Uh, Juwan Edwards for Georgia, the running back, is expected to play this week. DeCorian Clark for UTSA is a game-time decision again for week two. And then Brady Hunt has still not been cleared for Ball State, the tight end. Thank you. An exciting tight end that I know a lot of us are excited about. Elijah Arroyo, tight end from Miami, has a good chance to be available for week two. Then Blake Chapin, Chapin, uh, quarterback for Baylor, will miss two to three weeks for an MCL injury. So Sawyer Robertson is going to start at his place. Curtis Rourke, quarterback for Ohio, another guy that likes to get Everybody's injured, on him. Is, oh my goodness. is a game-time decision for week two. Classic. Matt Celerano, receiver in Notre Dame, is going to be out multiple weeks with a leg injury. So I expect those other receivers at Notre Dame to get more targets because they spread Salerno, Doug, Salerno. All right. I'll let, I'll let you say this this next name, Brian. <laughs> I don't, oh, uh, there's the uh, Castaneda from Nebraska. Yep. He's out for the year with a torn ACL. Then Brent Keithy, no update offered. So they're either keeping that on the down low or it's not good. Um, and then Cam Rising for Utah is cleared for all practice activities with no restrictions. So could be uh, back to the old ways at Utah this weekend. And then last but not least, we got Raheem Rocket Sanders running back for Arkansas was limited in practice this week. He was seen with a sleeve on his left leg. So I don't know what that means, but. I think they're expecting him to play. They're just taking it easy on him. Work on the music. I, I tried something there. I didn't like it. It's the start and end of the show music only from now on. Uh, but you get props for you get props for uh, for trying there, man. You get props <laughs> for trying. Yeah. All right. So that's the news and notes as of today. But we know that it's college football. There's going to be a lot more news and a lot more positioning that's going to happen before these games actually start, whether it be tomorrow or Friday or Saturday. So make sure you're paying attention to uh, to the Discord and to our socials as we drop more news as we go through. 
All right, so BMAC, I guess it's time to have a little rankings discussion. We're going to do this a little differently than we've done in the past. We're not going to be pulling up the sheets and making a big, uh, you know, 30-minute discussion about how the rankings are. We've got a lot of other topics we can discuss. But I know you definitely want to talk about how to read the rankings page and how to get um, how to get the most out of what is actually being put up there from CFB Dynasty. Yeah, so uh, we've got a couple questions on the Discord, so I just want to make sure – this part is clear as you look, and I've got it up on the screen now for anyone on YouTube. We do have this little spreadsheet key where you can see it. Maybe I will adjust it a little bit, but everything, especially the color-coded, you know, is, is how it relates to the individual player. So you see um, Caleb Williams for USC, our top start of the week at quarterback. You've got his opponent at Stanford. He is at home. Uh, 95.55 fantasy points on the season, 47.7 a game. You get the spread, the over-under, and then we have the projected points for PPF. Uh, that's for USC, projected to score 48.5. Stanford, projected to score 20. Um, so that's your uh, estimated final score. And then for offense, uh, what this is is the SP+. Plus. We talked about that, the Bill Connolly um, you know, holistic approach at looking at the offensive side of USC's roster is second in the country in terms of talent. And then we look at the SP plus defense. That is Stanford's defense um, that Caleb Williams is going against. So they're 73rd in the country. So that is also green um, versus the rush, the last column. That's Stanford against the run last year. Um, soon these are going to be year-to-date metrics as soon as we have enough data points but they were 127th last year against the rush um, and 40th against the pass so because they're in the top 40 there it's a red number so that means basically that's not ideal like your ideal across the board there is just green across the board um, but it's we have basically red yellow and green and so if you get all greens great um zeros basically just means there's there's no point spread which uh basically indicates there's a big mismatch one way or the other so you've got like drew aller there's zeros across the board those are green um and because they're playing against delaware at home and it should be a bloodbath so that's that's really it in terms of how to use it, how to read it. Of course, if you have questions or if you spot anything out of the ordinary, like seeing these red zeros here for defense versus the rush, that is wrong. That is something BMAC, me, I need to fix. Um, so hit me up if you see anything like that. And um, I'm going to make a note to make that adjustment right after the show. So... We like to talk about current events. Before we can before we continue, I think that it would be remiss if we did not talk about what happened between last week and this week in college football. What do you guys think about the ACC expanding with Stanford, Cal, and SMU? What do you think about that maneuver, pros, cons, all that? So overall for me, um, I really think it's uh... – kind of just part of dominoes to fall in the future i think you're gonna see you know this, you think about how the nfl is set up where you've got like four schools in a pod i think if the acc is going to be legit or will they combine with another big conference down the road they're gonna have to have divisions that are somewhat you know regional and that's mm -hmm. just what i think it's one stupid domino of more that need to happen yeah, I think there's a lot of hate that's being thrown at the ACC for making that move. But to me, I'm like, what do you expect them to do? Um, if they don't make the move, then they're going to be the next conference to become like the Pac-12. So they had to try and take some move. I think that it's the most ridiculous looking move other than the Big 12 having teams on the West Coast and UCF. To me, that's completely absurd. Um, but I hope that it's like, kind of what's happened with the transfer portal. Uh, we'll talk more about Colorado here soon, but Dion going completely insane and having 50 new guys at Colorado this year between his recruiting class and the transfer portal 
and they try to clamp down on the transfer portal because they said it's gotten completely out of control. I think that somebody in the next five years is going to say, okay, these conferences have gotten completely out of control. We need to do something because this doesn't make any sense, especially for non, um, for non-revenue sports. I mean, you can do whatever you want in football, but they're talking about the ACC playing non-revenue sports in Dallas now. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, who wants to go see a softball game between, you know, Cal and Louisville in Dallas? Nobody wants to see that. So right. what do you think, Doug? What, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's a good move, a bad move? I think it's a move that had to be made. Um, I don't like the fact that, you know, these – Teams are traveling all over the place to play each other. Um, but I think it, the ACC was kind of forced to make a move like this. Um, the only positive, you talked about the transfer portal, that I see of these conferences getting bigger. Uh, well, one of the only positives is when you transfer in conference, you have to sit for a year. So it may prevent a lot of these kids from from transferring as much because – a lot of these schools are now going to be in the same conference and they're not that's, going to want to sit, but at the that's end all of the going day, to go by the wayside though. Like uh, these will be, you know, they'll be governed by the conference um, sooner than later right. rather than the NCAA. So we won't have all these, uh, we'll have actual rules hopefully that are, you know, hard, fast and remove all the gray area. Um, I think we're still waiting on Tez, right? Um, from yep. North Carolina, but I should find out this week. Well, let's hope. Let's hope, speaking about this week, we're going to move on to week two. Part of the week two discussion is going to be taking a quick look back at what happened in week one. And then we're going to give you some advice as we head into week two. So BMAC, I'm going to start with you. What is your very first piece of advice to give people as we head into week two? Uh, it's really, again, just like week one, play the knowns, avoid the quarterback battles like at Ohio State. Um, and we'll talk about them here in a sad segment soon. But, um, you know, and also look at some of the jumps. We want to see how these players perform in week two. Um, you've got obviously Jalen Milrow, a uh, prime example playing against Texas at home. And um, will they be able to run the ball? How will Milrow perform through the air though, too? Um, Shadur Sanders, what a game for Colorado. That was so much fun to watch. Yes. Yes. Um, and we got Gus Johnson, and uh, it was a, a great game. Drew Aller, um, talk about him more in a little bit too, but he was uh, very impressive. The O-line wasn't the best at protecting him, but he still is able to move around the pocket with ease and uh, throwing the ball all over the field. He's got all the strength um, in the arm, all the you know moxie in the pocket, et cetera, and you know, height, weight, speed of uh, an NFL quarterback. And uh, if he continues like he did against West Virginia, it's a Devi quarterback one, um, someone that you should pick up now if you can. It's probably not – he's not going to get any cheaper throughout the year, I don't think. Um, Jackson Dart, huge game for Ole Miss. We'll see how they do on the road in a fun game at Tulane this week. DJU had a really good game. Mikey Keene, who we expected to play well throughout this year had a really good week one shager over at hawaii bucky irving blake watson rj harvey how about your boy matt ashton genty he looks like an nfl back oh yeah um, oh yeah sad for doug we'll get to that in a little bit but dang um he's the real deal i think he's running back one pretty easily for yeah. boise state I can tell you, I'm I'm uh, I'm super happy about the fact that I, I gave I gave Genty as my uh, was my wasn't that my brisket lock for the season, my seasonal brisket lock. Um, I just think that he's just shows like you said he's he's probably got the most upside of any back in college football right now, and that includes Damian Martinez and Singleton. I just think he just is in the right kind of offense. Boise State is well known for putting running backs into the NFL. They've got so many running backs. They've even got one that's going to be the starter in Minnesota right now. Um, so you're talking about, you know, they just uh, are able to make that happen. They know how to develop those backs and find those gems. Um, I'm just really glad to see him. And another guy that I talked about um, all preseason was Shador Sanders. I just felt like, uh, you know, with him going out there with his dad, his dad's not going to bench his son. Um, and the talent they put around him, 
I think the the way that they were able to create probably the game of the year in college football in week one, you know, it's going to be hard to find another game that's going to be that exciting all year. And um, he just came out and showed, you know, he's the real deal. He's not some FCS quarterback that was a daddy's boy that just played because his daddy wanted him to, to be on the field. He showed that he's a true talent. People are talking about him potentially having NFL talent now. So I love seeing both of those guys um, jump up the rankings, and I think they're going to be here to stay. You got Thrash, who's uh, living up to the preseason hype. You know, he's moved right into that position uh, for that OC and uh, kind of love seeing that right off the bat. Ashlock, the freshman at Hawaii, um, back-to-back games now, really good performances, and that's what you want to see. You don't want to see yeah. someone just catch two long touchdowns early in the year. Isn't he getting double-digit double digit targets right now? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's something right. you always want to look out for, man. If you got somebody that's getting double-digit targets, that means that he's a big part of the offense. He's not just a flash in the pan, like you said, throw one big, long pass and hope for the best. Exactly, exactly. Um, looking for touches and targets. That's that's absolutely right. That's I, We value that in the waiver wire gems over anything else. Um, Trey Harris at Ole Miss. We'll see if he can keep that going. Um, Jalen Polk, another – like he's just the next guy at Washington. Um, he's someone, if you're in a keeper league, a dynasty league, Jalen Polk for Washington is someone to get and get now. Um, he's at his cheapest point this year because he's going to play the third receiver, but he's legit NFL potential. And uh, they're in a premium offense. So as long as they have a quarterback that steps in and does well next year, Polk is is legit, legit. Um, Keandre Lambert Smith at Penn State looks like he could be the primary target at uh, for Drew Aller at Penn State, um, and then Urasek. Like he's someone who, regardless of when you look at our chart and you see the projected points for for Stanford, they're never going to be impressive. But he's the go-to guy in that offense. Start him every week. All right, good stuff. So that's some of the initial advice that's right there. So, um. You always want to be careful about beatdown games. The first week of the season, we saw some incredible beatdowns. Those can be feast or famine when it comes to fantasy football. Weeks 1, 2, and 12 are going to be where you're going to see some of the most insane beatdown potential games in college football. And um, week 1, we had some games where people are scoring 70, 80 points. Um, that was intense. That was intense. And <laughs> the way it could be, the way it could be feast is because you might have a guy that get, comes in and, and gets big touchdowns, big, big yardage, but you always want to be careful because you might start a guy in one of those games who might only get in for a quarter or two Yep. because they're not going to risk their starting quarterback when they're up by 50 points. So, uh, I think now, unless you guys have a, something you want to talk about, about those beatdown games, I think it's time for the first time this season doug you've never been a part of the milk carton i've not so so here's how the milk carton goes what the milk carton is is a guy that you thought was going to do so good but then you go to the grocery store to get yourself some nestle quick you reach on the shelf and you look at the carton and there's a picture of your guy and his fantasy performance has gone missing what's going on with him so doug when we talk about the milk cartons, you have to talk about your milk carton with emotion, like you're about to cry, like you just can't understand why this guy has done you wrong again. So, Doug, I'm going to start so you see how it's done. So, bye, guy, on the milk carton this week. But Damian Webb, you've done it to me again. Last year, you had games where you were so good, and then games where you disappeared. We talked about you. We had you high in the rankings. And then you go and you throw a 2.6 points at us. <laughs> 2.6 points. As a starting running back in week one, you cost people games, son. Cost me you, money in DraftKings. <laughs> you need to get off the milk carton and be the running back that we know you to be. Come on, the Damian Webb. Do better, son. Now, Doug, who is on your milk carton for week one? I don't know if I can do it as good as you, buddy, but... Same. <laughs> My milk carton. You got to do it with emotion. Don't do it with emotion, Doug. I need to hear some. I need to hear the tears rolling down your face. I'm not an emotional guy. 
I was a Jags fan for years, bro. <laughs> All my emotion is gone. Um, so I'm going to have to say, though, any Ohio State wide receiver right now, um, you know, it's it's rough being one of those guys, and sometimes you just wish they could just throw it to themselves. Um, I don't have any faith in that quarterback room, and I don't think that's going to change for me. So, Harrison, just play quarterback and receiver. Throw it to yourself. Throw it to Aguka. Get your brothers involved because I don't think your quarterback are ever going to get them involved. I I have a little more optimistic view, which is not what this segment is, but <laughs> well, then don't be optimistic. <laughs> I, I think I think they're going to be fine, and they've got the schedule to to warm up a little bit. But for fantasy purposes, that's what I'm saying. For fantasy purposes, they are not going to be fine. I think they will be in the future, but they but for remember fantasy purposes, guys, week one, Travion Henderson, twelve carries, forty seven yards. No touchdowns. Mayan Williams uh, got the two touchdowns. So Trey Henderson, while he was not ranked as highly as he was for us last year, still was ranked as a as a low end RB one, high end yeah. RB two, and is not living Everybody's up. Everybody's arguing height. with me. Everyone's arguing with me. Do you me sell him? I don't know yet. That's a that's a tough one for me. Um, but dang, where are you at, Travion? Where are you at? BMAC, I thought you had one more for everybody out there from Clemson. I think a receiver. No, let me, let me go too, with right? Jordan Curley real quick, SMU. So 1.5 fantasy points out of that offense and what was supposed to be the premier wide receiver in that offense. I didn't see it, and now they get Oklahoma this week. So that's going to be a bust and then a sit, and that is not what I expected when I drafted uh Jordan Curley. So come on, dude. Need you to pick it up here. And then the lastly, Cade Klubnik did not look comfortable the whole game. He had a couple drives where he looked comfortable near the end, but dang, that offense with the expectations coming in with the new OC who had been at SMU, had been at TCU, and had massive uh, improvements in those offenses. Seven points against Duke. Ain't it? Yeah. So, uh, Duke, yeah, Duke's defense was all over the place, but, but Klubnik definitely was throwing some balls into the dang stands. There was terrible, <laughs> terrible throws in that game. Yeah. All right. So, that's our milk carton segment for the week. We hope you guys like that. If you guys out there are watching this and you want to see more emotion at a BMAC and Doug, let them know that you need to see the tears fun. I literally had to wipe away the tears. I was pulling out of that emotion so much. But, uh, let us know if you want to see more from BMAC and Doug out of that segment. All right, so let's go on to some breakouts for week two. You guys are most concerned with getting some help for your week two lineups. So uh, by now, the breakouts, who are some of the guys you want to see uh, people going out there and looking to see if they're on the waiver wire? Not really waiver wire starts and sits and pickups, just guys that you really want to make sure you buy now because they, they probably are undervalued. So I'll go ahead and start and – we mentioned him already, but Ashlock, receiver out of Hawaii, he has, from what I understand, flown off some waiver wires in, in some leagues of some guys that I know. People have, <clears throat> excuse me, people have already picked him up. 241 receiving yards and three touchdowns in two games. And, I mean, the other receiver there is fine too, but he just looks to be the guy. And then my other one, freshman too. Right. Yeah. Is is Deion Burks out of Purdue? Another double digit guy, 152 yards, two touchdowns this past weekend, and I just think they have a better quarterback at Purdue to be able to get these guys the ball. So Burks is another one for me. I I'm think, gonna sound I think repetitive. The, oh, sorry. No, uh, you go, you go, you go. Um, but for me, it's Drew Aller. I couldn't believe he made it on our waiver wire post this past week. He's available in more than 50 percent of the leagues. That's what that means. So. Is he's one of those guys who was probably ranked in the 30s or so uh, going into the year, but I would not be surprised if he finishes in the top 15-ish for quarterbacks. But uh, love, love, love what I saw from him. 
if you watch the game, you understand it. But Drew Aller has huge, huge potential this year. I want to go back to Ashlock real quick. The reason why I think Ashlock is somebody you want to go and target. Um, a lot of times when you have those those week one and two performances, it's fool's gold. And uh, it's fool's gold because your guy go out there have a big performance against uh, FCS team or against a, a, you know somebody they should be beating down, and then we go play solid competition, and they just disappear. With Ashlock, it's the opposite. Ashlock played home against Stanford, and then he went on the road at, at Vanderbilt. And Hawaii historically does not do good when they, they travel to the mainland. And in those two games, he had nine targets and 12 targets and, and put up over 100 yards. He scored in both games. So Ashlock definitely looks like the kind of guy statistically and with all the metrics, that's the kind of guy that is going to be able to perform really well and when he gets into the conference for him. So we have a funny <laughs> uh, little comment here on our on our podcast and this may be somebody's breakout i don't know but <laughs> matt said that graham mertz is the greatest quarterback of all time i don't for know for the record that's not me that's not me i didn't say that Matt, but <laughs> um, so if you saw me laughing a little bit while matt was talking it wasn't because about what he was saying about ashlock but it was definitely the the graham mertz comment got me a little bit there whatever <laughs> I don't know. So if you, if you saw our little Gators video that we put up there on um, <clears throat> on YouTube, it's our, I think, probably already our most viewed video ever. And uh, it's really just my vibes as a Gator fan. Uh, and it, it was definitely overly dramatic. <laughs> but um, uh, it's doing well out there with a bunch of comments and whatnot for one of our videos, at least. All right, so we got a new segment we're going to be debuting this week. It's called the Barbershop. BMAC, why don't you tell them what the Barbershop is and why? It's basically uh, players you want to go cut off your team, basically. So what kind of cuts do we have out there this week? Uh, for me, I'm thinking about, and I'm going to give them a couple more weeks before they play Florida State. Let's see how they can turn things around against uh, not the formidable Duke defense, but uh, Clemson wide receivers. Um, the What I saw to Klubnik and that whole offense other than Will Shipley wasn't great. So um, those are ones that are like on the chopping block. I've got them right there laying on the cutting board next to my next to my knife how about you doug um i'm i'm gonna have to say of the people on my team it's 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 gonna be george Trelawney for me yep um unfortunately you know you've got a, a guy that had over 1300 yards last year and literally split the carries 50 50 this week um most of them were in kind of garbage time in the fourth quarter when they weren't going to come back and you know and this is nothing against GT because I think he is a outstanding running back, but it's just so hard for, you know, a guy like, you know, I would have to imagine it's hard for a guy like Kalani to sit back and be like, okay, the heck did I do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but if you look at it, GT is more explosive as a receiving running back. Um, and I think that, Maybe not as much in the running on the running side because I think Kalani is a great running back, but GT is just all around more so what people look for. I think. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go the opposite direction there. I I think that Kalani is a difficult cut just because he's gonna still get his games. There's gonna be a game or two this year where he's gonna blow up, and I would I would have a tough time if somebody put him on the waiver wire, not snatching him up and dropping him on the end of my bench. Right. Um, Halani, I, I I can go with. He's somebody you might want to keep your eye on to maybe maybe make a different move. But I think he's still going to get his carries. There's going to be a game or two where he's going to blow up and, and still show that he deserves to be in there. But staying with the, with the thought of going the opposite direction, I lost every game other than our DFS game this week. Across every league, I lost Yikes. every game. Why did I lose? Because my bench decided they wanted to play. I had Shador Sanders on the bench. 
He decided he wanted to go off. I think I got my starting quarterback. My starting quarterbacks didn't do as well. But my running backs, I had guys in the home league that I held over that I wasn't sure if I should have kept them or not. This week, every one of them proved to me why they wanted to be, that they need to be held over. Amari and Hampton, 15.7 points. Ches Malusi, 31.7 points. Henry Parrish, 15.5 points. So now I got a conundrum. Do I leave guys like that that scored decently on the bench? Or do I uh, try to find a way to get them into the starting lineup? So they, they kind of went the opposite direction. I don't really have any barbershops this week because of that. And I'm not going to be cutting with Damian Webb because as soon as you cut him, he's going to have a 40-point game. That's right. <laughs> I think might, I might... get back to that, man. But that, that was his MO last year. I think, you know, in part what you were saying, like with Malusi, for example, watch that offense to use two running backs because it looks like that's where they're going to go. Um, yeah. With both of them <laughs> providing great numbers. So, um, yeah, I think Malusi would be hard for me to – put on my bench honestly because that offense is they're built to run no matter what they say that they're going to be different that offense is built to run so for now yeah right it's not going to change in one year they've been built to run and i think that's what they're going to do all right so we're going to move on to some sleepers i know we're going as fast as we can to get through this because there's so much content this week so bmac doug who do you guys have as quick sleepers for this week? This is not your brisket lock. These are just guys that you think have a chance to outperform where the ranking is. Going a little different with mine. I mean, I'm going at the tight end position. I'm going Ethan Connor, the tight end for Troy against Kansas State. Led the led the team in receptions this weekend. Um, had most of their touchdowns. And I think... Troy's going to try to do everything they can to get the ball moving against Kansas State, who's a who's a good team. And I think they're going to use the tight ends a lot. So I think Connor is my sleeper for this week. I've got a few. Um, Michael Pratt is one that is definitely an unnecessary fantasy risk on most lineups where you probably have someone else because it's week two, because there's a bunch of beatdowns. You probably have someone else who's a safer play. Um, we've got him listed as the 33rd quarterback. They're playing at home, hosting Ole Miss. This is going to be their Super Bowl. Like, this never happens to have an SEC team come and play at your house. Um, Tulane and that environment's going to be incredible. Um, it's projected to be like a 28 to 36 loss for Tulane, but. Um, you never know, man. That could be a, a shootout, you know, a bounce a ball here or there, and, and maybe uh, maybe it's a close 35-38 game where Pratt, um, come, you know, burst onto the national scene as if he didn't already, I guess, against USC in the bowl game last year. Um, Javante Barnes got the majority of the touches for Oklahoma, so I like to see them against a tougher opponent this week. SMU, we'll see if he can get that up. Uh, from 13 to around 18, 19 touches. So I've got him as a potential sleeper pick. And then one more, Caleb Hood is going to have hopefully a bounce back game at seven, seven and a half fantasy points last week. Um, but him against UAB at home this week. Love, love, love Caleb Hood this week. And, and I know I've been giving Damian Webb a bunch of hate. Dubbin, Dubbin, been riding him really hard. But I do think if you go with the metrics, he's a sleeper this week. He is currently 44th in the CFB Dynasty rankings. He is well known for having garbage games followed up by crushing games. This week, they've got Southeastern Louisiana. Mm. And those are the kind of games where LaDamian Webb, if he is a healthy, if he plays healthy, which he normally does, if he's healthy, he gets to play most of that game. He is going to put up some stats. That's what the metrics say, even though he finds ways to uh, get himself on the milk carton. So I do think he's a good sleeper for this week. We do have a couple questions from the Discord um, after we get through our sit candidates. So I can throw those up on the screen potentially, or uh, we can talk through those. Yeah, let's go with the sits real quick. Let's get the sits, and then we'll go to the questions from Discord. So, Doug, who do you got as your sits and why? 
So a guy that has been um, somebody that I've been able to lean on for a couple of years, but got to sit Frank Gore Jr. against FSU this weekend. FSU just looks like a different animal. Um, and then maybe a surprise to some people, maybe not. BMAC and I talked about this a little bit. We played some golf yesterday, but Dylan Edwards is going to be a sit for me for Colorado with um, – and his name eludes me. Uh, McCaskill is supposed to be back. Edwards only got six carries. He made the most of his game on the reception side. Um, so with McCaskill coming back this week, Edwards is probably a sit for me. Yeah, it's about touches, not touchdowns necessarily, because it's uh, you know those long touchdowns you can't rely on them every week. And he caught three of them, ran one. And they play Nebraska, who's a mu- who looks to be a much better defense after week one yeah. than TCU. Yeah, we'll see. It's funny looking at the Discord. Um, a lot of people overreact week one. It happens in the NFL. It happens in college football. That's just part of being fans. But, but um, you know, people are in the Discord. They want to vent about Marvin Harrison. Of course, I agree there. But other people are like, someone in my league dropped Rocket Sanders. And then someone else, quote, you Crazy. know, someone in my league dropped Matthew Golden already. Crazy. People are <laughs> – I know they're uh, <laughs> dropping these people. It's like, wow, way to overreact. Um, Marquez Cooper was another one. That's a big overreaction. Um, so BMAC, but you don't know anything about overreactions, right? I mean, being in the Gainesville area, we didn't see oh any overreactions about what happened with the Gators this past oh Thursday, right? I mean, this stuff that was online about the Gators and maybe it's true. They're, they're calling for the coach's head and the way they were talking about it. I think they mean literally, but uh, at LSU too, uh, people are going nuts. They want to fire Brian Kelly. I think that's just part of fan stupidity. Like, uh, you know, a rebuild, you know, not everyone's Deion Sanders. He's, he's his own guy. And you know what he's done, you know, through one week so far has, has worked. And, and like Doug said, we'll see how bad TCU's defense is as they, as we get more data points. But, um, if you're going to be in rebuild mode, be in rebuild mode. And I think that's where Florida needs to be. Um, you're, you should be as good as you can while you're in rebuild mode, but that's, that's just uh, part of the game to me. Um, so as far as sit candidates for me, I'm worried about two players that are like prime debatable guys. Like in the, like, do you always just start your stars? You've got Xavier worthy at, Alabama this week, um, best secondary he'll face all year long. Um, and Alabama's secondary looks to be improved. You know, they were gashed, though, against Tennessee last year. Um, so we'll see how that whole receiving core goes. But last week, you saw Worthy, man. He's just the guy. Even with that um, enhanced wide receiver core at Texas, do you start him? Do you sit him? And then I've got Rasheen Ali as another one that I'm worried about, where it's a low over-under type game. It's not what you expect. It's not like they're playing against Georgia or whatever, but it's still they're playing against ECU, and it's a low over-under game. A 24-21 to 21 type of score is expected there in that game, and Ali will get his touches. Um, but uh, as you have a lot of oversized games or overmatched teams here in, in week two, that's going to be a tough one to start or sit. All right. So there you go. So that's the, uh, that is our news notes, starts, sits, barber shop, all the fun stuff. Now we're going to go to what you guys want to talk about on the discord. So got BMAC, two. what are the questions? What are the comments we got from the discord? Yeah, I've got two of them. Um, good conversations on random people getting dropped in the leagues that they're in. It's pretty funny to see how just different leagues are in college fantasy football. But um, here's one from a H nine Oh nine Oh nine. Should you take stock in running back carry distribution for teams that played against an FCS team week one, Rodney Hammond only getting five carries as an example. 
for me, the answer is easy. No, I don't take any stock in that whatsoever. No, I agree with you completely because they, they might be sitting guys, might be having them get over, you know, a nagging little injury. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you're going to get. It's basically a preseason game. And so you may have a guy that's going to get more carries. You definitely, I think you all, sometimes you want to go look at the game cast and see when are the guys getting these carries. If you've got a guy that's getting carries in the third and the fourth quarter in a beatdown, that might be his season. That might be the time he's going to get one of his one of those four games before he gets redshirted. So be very careful about overemphasizing those carries. Yeah, they could just be seeing, like you said, preseason style, seeing what they have after these guys. So it's a it's a way for them to get some actual in-game touches. So I wouldn't be too concerned. All right. So here's the other question. How do you feel about rostering Travis Hunter going forward? And for oh, I, me, it's something we have never seen before. Someone play that many snaps on both sides of the ball. He's he's uh, going after it and dancing after the game. So it's wild, wild to think about how many targets he got and how great he was on both sides of the ball. There's, there is no question to if he's an athlete or not. I don't think that's a question. Again... I think the question is, how is this offense going to be against a team that shuts down at least one receiver or whatever? I don't. Or do can I he be shut was, down? What's that? Can he be shut down though? Like, is he just well, that when good? you're given when you're given him twelve yards before the yeah. play even starts? I mean, come on, yeah. he's what one hundred and seventy-five pounds. You know, knock him on the ground at the beginning of the route and see how he recovers, knock him off his route. See what happens. Like I could probably run a four yard out and come back and catch a ball. If they're giving me 12 or 13 yards, like now this podcast has gone too far. I'm just saying, I, I mean, I would, it's hard for me to, to legitimately say he's going to be an 11 catch guy every week. When you've got defenses that aren't going to give him 12 yards of, of no, I mean, it, it really just depends. What's the player pool? There's a lot of different things. How much does it cost you to get him? Yeah, right. um, like if, if he's cheap and available, yeah, I would go get him. But I certainly would not be paying any kind of high price. There's a laundry list of receivers I would rather have right now. Um, but uh, I like Travis Hunter. What a great player. And you think about Debbie, like, What's he going to be? Will he be a corner in the league or will he be right. a wide receiver? He's definitely getting to the league. And a lot of scouts think he's a far better corner than he is a wide receiver. But maybe maybe that'll change over the course of the year. We'll see. Um, but I'm not yet paying a high price for him because I don't know how bad that TCU defense was. And as you get into week five, week six, how many snaps is he really playing? Because um, yeah. I don't think he's going to be playing 110 plus snaps a game. I, I would say I would say taking nothing else into consideration. If it was just yes, no, should you roster him? Absolutely, because why wouldn't you? You can tell that he is he is somebody who's going to be a star there. Yeah. My hang up is what you said, BMAC. Pay attention to if he starts getting less snaps because he can't play both sides of the ball. Does Colorado need him more on the defensive side or the offensive side? And pay attention to that because he might still be a star, but he might not be a star that can handle 140 something snaps a game. Right. And so, but I, I would that would be the only downgrade that I'd watch him. But I would I would roster him quickly. So, is there anything else from the Discord, or are we done? That's with it. Discord. All right. So we wanted to make sure that today we talked a little bit about the uh, the CFB Dynasty Open League, the CFB Dynasty Home League. So in the open league, we have 24 teams. Everybody's able to pick up guys on an auction basis. Everybody gets a doubleheader every week just for the sake of fun. As my late brother used to say, more games equals more fun. So we've got more games. Everybody plays a doubleheader. And I lost both of my games. My team was terrible. But shout out to Oaktown510. He had over 200 points on his team. He crushed it. And we'll make sure we give a reverse, a reverse shout out. So I don't know if that's a, a be silent for Wrath State. Homie had 63 points in week one. You've got to do better, Wrath State. And then Doug, BMAC, I expect 
when you go back to the office, you guys are going to be giving Carissa some beef because Carissa is currently in 23rd out of 24 teams. Well, Doug <laughs> is in 22nd. So, but you're one spot ahead of Carissa, so you can give her the beef. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm one and one. Uh, kind of a, a rough week there. Really, Savion Williams could have been on the the milk carton segment for me because I've got uh, him in a few different leagues. But yeah, Oaktown man with the lineup: KJ Jefferson goes for twenty eight. Rasheen Ali, Devin Neal, Shepard from Vanderbilt. He's got Thrash. Javante Wester, who I think is going to only get better, Luke Lachey, and then Jaden Ott. Um, and if if his Clemson defense didn't disappoint, he would have uh, kind of spread his gap between him and the rest of the league. So 2-0 for Oaktown. Yeah, heck of a start. And uh, looking forward to seeing how things improve in week two for me. Yeah, I need uh, – I need uh... – Matthew Golden to step it up a little bit for me, and I need yeah. Wiggles to come back for Ohio, and I sh- I would have been fine if the if Wiggles was back and Golden performed like he normally does, I would have been fine, or like yeah. we expect him to. So right. So if you uh if you are not in the open league, you're like man, I'd love to be able to play with those dudes on the CFE Dynasty podcast or some of the other sports writers or fans that are out there. Make sure you send us a note. Because next year we definitely have plans to expand the uh, footprint of the Open League. So uh, the more people we know want to be in it, the more people we have the ability to go and send invites out to you when that happens next season. Um, So real quick, we're going to jump over to our home league, the original, where it all started. What are we in week? Are we in season 17, BMAC, or 16? 16. 16 16 years we've been running the uh, College to Pro Dynasty League. Um, This week... Uh, again, I told you I lost every game other than our DFS, um, but it was one of those games I have a lot of hope because the reason why I lost was uh, was was were things that are correctable, things that you couldn't expect. I had a Squirrel White and Malachi Corley both underperform, Yikes. and um, you know, in no in no scenario would I have started um, Shador Sanders over Frank Harris. But if I start Shador Sanders over Frank Harris, I win the game. Mm-hmm. So there, there's definitely some good. Uh, good possibilities for hope there. How about you guys? How did you feel about the way that the, uh, the home league am, went down a week one? I am thankful that Josiah did not play Edwards from Colorado because I would have lost, but uh, I started the right guys. I mean, just like you said, week one, week two, some of these guys are going to play a half. Some of them are going to play three quarters. Some of them are going to play three drives. You just don't know. So, all in all, I started the right guys. Some of my quarterbacks outperformed Bo Nix, but it wouldn't have mattered who I started a quarterback. I would have won. But it's just so, it, these weeks are tough. These weeks are tough. Oh, yeah. So, so you bring up Josiah and Edwards. We're going to jump back to the Open League just a little bit. So, it's an auction style. There's a limited pool. So, I put in a pretty high bid. I'm like, man, I'm gonna, nobody's going to be bidding this high to go get Edwards. Josiah said, hold my root beer. (laughs) And the dude put in almost half of his available money for the year to get Edwards. What do you guys think about that move? Do you think that that was a smart move? I know you already said it before. Do you think it's a smart move? Do you think he was crazy for bidding that high? Go big or go home, I guess. But at the end of the day, um, with McCaskill coming back, I – this and this could be a downfall for me and BMAC and I talked about this is I tend to wait to see how these guys are gonna do. I don't wanna just throw all my eggs in a basket in week one. So that's where our league though, our home league's so different from every other league. That's very common that most of the free agent budget is used in the first like three weeks of the year. So you're looking for breakout performances and taking chances on players because you can freely cut and add as many people as you want. Um Whereas, um, you know, I made that mistake, you know, going into different leagues that were so different from ours and, uh, yeah, just holding on to my budget too long. And then at the end of the year, it's like no one else has budget. I don't have to bid high on anyone because I'm one of the few with budget left so I can get whoever I want, which is uh, nice. But then, you know, 
you miss out on a lot of the the good players um, that way. So yeah, I'm a fan to, of yeah. using budget and going heavy yeah. on budget and, early on. And when you're year. talking about when you're talking about 24 teams, there's not a lot of guys mm-hmm. out there. So you need to make sure if you got a guy you really want, you need a bit high. I bid high. I bid on four guys this past week and only got one of them on the initial run. I was didn't expect to get four because I was like, I either need to get this guy or that guy. I'm going to get one or the other, and that's it. But um, guys in that league are aggressive, man. They are really aggressive with their picks, so it's fun. It's fun seeing how guys work in that because, as you said, B-Mac, being in an open league compared to a college pro dynasty with limited pickups makes it tough. makes it tough, and it's fun. It's fun to see the difference. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we are nearing the end of the podcast. First, got to talk about the DFS host battle. We've mentioned it a lot. We had one of the most fun, close battles this past week. BMAC, do you have a graphic for this, or we just want to talk about it? Uh, no graphic for this. We can just talk about it. That's totally fine. I've got my lineup ready to go. Um, you won it last week, Matt, so why don't you lead with uh, your team? All right, so so first I want to say last week I think that the games were within, what, two points total across uh, yeah, the board for all close. three of us. It was yeah. super close, came down to literally the last minute of the last game that was playing to decide who won. That was just how close that it was. Um, I'm probably going to have to go back in and make some changes on my roster. It was very tough, very tough to uh, get the roster set up this week because there's a lot of teams that are that you would want to go after that were not playing in that early uh, early slate. So after I, I set my lineup, we got on here. I realized I picked a lot of guys from the same games. I've got uh, Shador Sanders, Edwards, and Hunter, all from uh, Colorado, all in my starting lineup. I just think that the value was there. Shador, you know, until he shows he's not going to be the guy, why would you not go and take him? Um, and then I've got uh, Estime and Great House, Tyree and Rosner, all from the uh, – NC State, Notre Dame game all in there. Part of the reason why I've got Tyree and Rosner is because I needed to fill in some spots. I had very little budget left, and it was kind of hard to find that, so I had to go look for budgets in the $3,500 range. And then I've got a Maccabee from Purdue in my uh, Superflex. Um, like I said, I, I can't see me going into into the weekend with that as my roster, but that's where we are at the moment. That's that's cheating. So we get to talk about our rosters, and then you're just going to change them. All right. I never said I'm going to change it, but I said I might. I mean, dang, that's a crazy roster. <laughs> Go ahead, B Mac. All right. So I've got Will Howard as my quarterback. He's at 8,900. I had a, I had a tough time with the quarterbacks available at the noon games. Um, so um, normally, always in the super flex, I've got a quarterback, but this time I don't. So um, yep, same with me. Rasheen Ali at $4,800. Stupid not to have him. Uh, I can't believe he's that low. Um, everyone probably should go play him. He's averaging, you know, whatever. He had 30 fantasy points last week. Um, even though they're only going to score about 21 this week for Marshall, I still think he's going to get his. Um, and then also, Matt, I do have Maccabee, too, as my other running back at 6,300. Like value. felt like a big value right there. Yep, just trying to get value. That's that's the name of the game here. Um, I like for whatever reason when I set my lineup, I'm trying to reserve value for the super flex and the flex as I yes. go along. Um, Barry and Brown, I have uh, for Kentucky this week against EKU. Um, he didn't do a ton as a receiver. Did return a kick for a touchdown last week, but uh, hopefully he'll get a catching touchdown this week. And then Roman Wilson at M- Michigan. Um, at 5,400, Yasmin, tight end for Utah, starting in place of Keithy. Um, so I like him at 3,600. That's a great value. Um, and then in my flex, I've got Evan Stewart, who is just a flat-out superstar. Like, he's he's incredible. So sad to trade him in our home league. But on the other end, at least I got uh, Brees Hall in that deal. Um because I needed help on the NFL side of things and my running back room. And then in the super flex, I've got Judkins at 8,100. Uh, I think he'll get – you get a heavy dose of Judkins on the road. Um, unless Dart just does his thing uh, like he did last week. But uh, we'll see. I, I like Judkins a lot this week either way. 
Doug, what you got? I went J.J. McCarthy in my quarterback spot, um, and he was the last roster spot I had to fill. I went with the other positions first um, in a way to try to save money for what I thought was going to be a good quarterback. I went Gabe Irvin, um, running back for Nebraska at 5,400. DJ Giddens at 5,800. Then Burks for Purdue at 4,800. Cornelius Johnson wow. for Michigan. That's a big value. Big value right there. Cornelius Johnson from Michigan receiver at 5,700. Evan Stewart at 71. Micah Bernard at 61 in my flex. And then my super flex, I've got Hudson Card at 6,000. I almost went with Card too. Yeah, I like that pick. So. Zero money left over, but like I said, I wanted to spend big on my on my QB one on this, and I like McCarthy against UNLV, so we'll see what happens. All right, well, good stuff. I may not go in and switch my lineup, seeing how how I had five minutes before we got to the show to be able to get that thing set. <laughs> you know, we'll see what's up. But seeing as how I am undefeated, I might have to give somebody else a chance to get the dub this week. But then wow. again, maybe not. Thank you for the consideration there (laughs) all right so we have reached the end of the broadcast and that is the time to talk about our brisket locks all right so last week how did your brisket lock perform should you be still giving us brisket locks after your brisket lock from last week doug how did he perform um he was four receptions for 41 yards or something like that on i believe like seven targets but i don't know um that that offense it's their their quarterback's insane and he loves having the ball in his hands whether it's throwing it or running it or what and it's hard to pick a UCF guy but I mean seven targets I can't go wrong with that but it is what it is we'll see what happens with with that offense but just their quarterback is nuts so So what a what about you, B-Mac? How'd you yeah, feel Jaylen about Jalen Knighton, I, I really liked how he was used in the SMU offense. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, he didn't score a touchdown, though, so that really hinders his performance uh, in the fantasy realm. But 17 carries, 64 yards, uh, also a couple receptions in there. So I think while he'll have a good year, uh, week one is probably going to be one of his uh, worst performing uh, weeks and uh yeah so that one while he had 19 touches none of them resulted in a touchdown we'll see more from Knighton over the course of the year so i said brennan armstrong from nc state their first game back um a couple things i learned from that game is that uconn is a much improved team i don't know if there's a lot of guys on that team they're going to be fantasy relevant maybe their running back is but uconn is definitely not the scrub that they've been over the last couple years definitely a team that is going to be Having some good games, probably get an upset or two this year. But Brennan Armstrong, he had 28 points. He performed admirably. Uh, The thing that was interesting about that game was Brennan Armstrong had 19 carries for 96 yards and two touchdowns as the starting quarterback. Um, There's a lot of designed runs, a lot of called runs. Um, He is sneaky and shifty in the pocket. Um, There was times he probably should have been sacked five or six times, and he he found a way to snake out of there. Um, so I felt good. I mean, was he one of the top quarterbacks of the week? No, he was not, but he still, uh, you could have won a game with a 28 point performance out of, out of your quarterback in Brennan Armstrong. All right, BMAC, we're going to start with you for this week's brisket locks. Since you're the originator, you're the innovator. You're the reason why the brisket lock exists. BMAC, what is your brisket lock for week two in college fantasy football? You give me a big come back this week uh caleb hood we've got him 32nd uh seven fantasy points last week um a lot of touches uh high scoring game against uab at home with georgia southern give me caleb hood this week big comeback doug who do you got so we've got him i believe it's our last running back on our on our list on cfb and but I'm gonna go Gabe Irvin from Nebraska. Ooh, I like it. I you kind of saw what TCU's running backs did combined against Colorado's defense, and there was a lot of people that were frustrated with the split share between Gabe Irvin and Anthony Grant. 
But I think Gabe Irvin, as the days and the weeks progress, is going to come out as the number one guy. And I think this is a week he's going to show why he should be the number one guy in Nebraska. All right, I'm going to go with a guy that has rocketed up. He's all the way at number 15 on the list, but I still think he has a chance to outperform, and that's Nick Nash, wide receiver from San Jose State. Um, he uh, His performance was down a little bit this past week um, from the previous week. He had he, he, uh, The week previous, he had eight targets, six receptions, 89 yards, and three touchdowns at USC. Last week, his numbers were down a little bit, but he still had more targets and more receptions, 11 targets, seven receptions, and 31 yards. So his yardage wasn't as good versus Oregon State. But this week, uh, San Jose State gets Cal Poly, and uh, I think that he has a chance to go in there, drop some serious bombs stat-wise to get the game started, then get get out, get on the bench, let somebody else have a chance. But I think he's got a chance to have a huge early game um, and, and outperform even his position at 15 this week. Love it. Love it. Cause I got him in the open league this week. Uh, I'm excited for him. <laughs> All right. We're going to try the outro here. You've got 15 seconds. Once I, once I click play, here we go. All right, everybody. We thank you so much for coming on out to the CFEDynasty.com podcast on behalf of VMAC and Doug. My name is Matt Knowles. We hope to see you on the discord. We can't wait to see how your games happen on Saturday. See you guys then. See you.